so much. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Ezekiel, the prophecy of Ezekiel. And we're in, going to be in chapter 37 this morning. Next Sunday is the first thing in April, and then there's Palm Sunday, and then there's Easter Sunday. And so the next three weeks, we're going to begin to kind of think about Easter and the crucifixion and all that's involved with that. And uh, then following that, my plan is, to, again, to, to begin preaching through First Peter. So we're in Ezekiel chapter 37, as we're still going to some selected texts, trying to go through some familiar passages of Scripture. This is um, Ezekiel's vision of dry bones. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I'll put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them. And the flesh grew, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man. And say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life. And stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out. Up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, who have opened up your graves and caused you to come out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. And that is God's word. Let's pray. 
Father, we're so thankful that we have your word. And Father, we thank you that we have the Holy Spirit to help us to understand your word. We know that uh, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He is the guide. He is the helper. And we pray that he would be all of that for us today. He would enable us to be able to see the truth of your word. To open our eyes to see it. Our hearts to receive it. That we might be changed and transformed by it as we are appointed to Christ our Savior. In whose name we pray. Amen. Well, preaching from the prophets is a great challenge. In fact, it's such a great challenge and often such a difficult task that many of us avoid spending much time in the prophets. And so they become something of the forgotten books of the Bible. And I say that this morning, something by way of confession. I am convicted when I look back over the text from which I have preached and see how few times I have preached from the prophets. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is inspired of God and is profitable. And the all scripture there includes the prophets. They are profitable. And they are helpful for our spiritual growth and maturity. And the prophets had two functions, a dual function. We normally think of the prophets prophesying or foretelling something that God was going to do in the future. Well, it is true that the prophets did at times tell what would happen in the future. And that was a part of their ministry. But not only were they in the business of foretelling, they also were engaged in forthtelling. That is, they were the preachers of their day. They proclaimed God's word to God's people. And the prophets didn't just have a message for the future. The prophets had a message for the people in that day. And much of the message of the prophets centered around the historical circumstances that the nation of Israel was encountering at the time. Our text this morning is one of the most familiar passages we find in the prophecy of Ezekiel. It does describe uh, the remarkable vision of dry bones that God gave to him. I'm sure you've all heard the spiritual dim bones, dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones. You know, the, the foot bones connected to the ankle bone, the ankle bones connected to the leg bone, the leg bones connected to the knee bone, all the rest. This passage is an encouragement. It's an encouragement to God's people. An encouragement to discouraged people. It, it gives help to those who are helpless. It gives hope to those who are hopeless. It's a message of renewal, of restoration, of regeneration. It's a passage of salvation. It describes for us the mighty work of God. In causing those who are spiritually dead be brought to life again and given new life. I want us to begin this morning by looking at the vision itself. You know, Ezekiel's ministry took place at a critical time in the history of Israel. The reforms that had been instituted by King Josiah had been put aside. You know, there's a great revival under Josiah. Then he was killed, and his brother Jehoiakim succeeded him. 
And things went downhill after that. Joachim imposed huge taxes on the people. He pursued other gods and led the people into idolatry. He was a very proud person, would tolerate no criticism. And so he had Uriah the Hittite, or Uriah the prophet, killed. He had Jeremiah the prophet imprisoned. And because of his poor leadership and even the worst leadership of his son, Jehoiachin, who succeeded him, the city of Jerusalem was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. The city was plundered. Most of the skilled people, the intelligent people, the talented people were taken away into exile. Ezekiel was one of those who was carried into exile to Babylon. And it was while he was there they heard the Babylonian army had made another attack upon Jerusalem. This time the city was laid waste. The temple was torn down and the remaining people who lived there were deported. Jerusalem as they knew it was no more. This was of course a discouraging and disappointing time for God's people. Their situation was bleak and dark. It was a time of national despair and distress. The future of the nation was uncertain and shrouded in doubt. And it was in that situation, that historical situation, God called Ezekiel to serve as a prophet to his people. And the message of Ezekiel was primarily directed toward that historical circumstance in which the people found themselves. Because in the midst of all that uncertainty, in the midst of all that despair, Ezekiel proclaimed hope. Hope for the future of Israel. Their deliverance from captivity and their return from exile. And to do that, God gave Ezekiel this rather curious vision. This vision of dry bones. Now you can tell as you begin looking at verse 1 that Ezekiel was a very spiritual man. He was aware that the Lord's hand was upon him and that God was guiding him and that God was revealing to him a message through this vision to give to God's people. He says in verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, set me down in the middle of the valley. In some way, Ezekiel was aware of the Lord leading him, guiding him, bringing him to this valley. And once he got there, he realized that this valley, in this valley, scattered around through it were human bones. In fact, at the end of verse 1, almost this ominous message where Ezekiel says, and it was full of bones. And these were the, the bones of men who had been slain in battle and the battle had been so severe that the bones no longer were in proper anatomical form that is the, the knee bone wasn't connected to the thigh bone and the thigh bone wasn't connected to the hip bone these bones were scattered throughout the valley and they'd obviously been there a long time under the heat of the sun because 
The text says they were dry and brittle. And in the vision, God caused Ezekiel to walk through this valley and to see all these bones and to notice how dry and brittle they were. Look at verse 2. He caused me to pass among them, that is, among the, the bones round about. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And then in verse 3, God asked Ezekiel a question. And God asked him in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? Now put yourself in Ezekiel's situation just a moment. Here he is in this valley, in this vision. He's surrounded by all these bones that are no longer attached in the proper form. They're scattered throughout the valley. They've been there a long time. They're dry and brittle from being out in the sun. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can these bones be brought back into their proper form, in their proper shape, and can they live again? Now Ezekiel's answer to that question is very interesting. He didn't presume to answer the question himself. He simply said at the end of verse 3, O Lord God, you know. O Lord God, you know. You know, there's a real lesson for us, I think, in Ezekiel's answer to God's question. Why can't we just rest in that simple declaration ourselves? You know, I ask myself, why do we try to answer sometimes questions we can't answer? Or solve situations that we just can't resolve? Why do we find it so hard sometimes to conclude with Ezekiel? There are some things that just God knows. You know, there are some things in life that we just have to leave to the hands of God. And realize that we don't understand them. We can't answer those questions. We can't solve those problems. There are things in life that only God knows. That only God understands. And only God can do. You know I take comfort in what is found in Deuteronomy 29. You know it probably. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. It's the things that are revealed. That belong to us and to our children forever. And that's where Ezekiel was. God asked him, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, Lord, you're the only one that knows the answer to that question. Ezekiel knew the sovereign power of God. He had already had other visions that showed him God's sovereign power. And he wasn't about to say to God, no. There's no way that these bones can ever live again. There's no way that with your sovereign power you can't do something with these bones. But Ezekiel wasn't going to take it upon himself to answer the question to know whether or not they would live again. He simply said to God, Oh God, only you, only you know the answer to that question. And then God told Ezekiel to do an odd thing. In verse 4 he said, prophesy over these bones. 
Now think about it for just a moment. God told Ezekiel to preach to these bones, these dry bones, brittle bones, scattered throughout this valley. You know, God does tell us sometimes to do some peculiar things. You know, he told Noah to build an ark in the desert. He retells Ezekiel to preach a sermon to dry bones. God wanted Ezekiel to say to these bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, don't you know, on the surface of it anyway, Ezekiel felt rather foolish. Here he is, out in this valley, in this wilderness, by himself. All he has with him these bones scattered throughout the valley, dry and brittle. No sign of life anywhere. And God tells Ezekiel to start preaching. Years ago, when I was... uh, new in the ministry serving my first church and it was a long time ago I was less confident in my gifts and abilities I still struggle with them sometimes but I was really struggling with them back in those days and so I would faithfully go over my sermon every week to make sure I was prepared I still faithfully go over my sermon to make sure I'm prepared but not in the way I did back then we lived in a house that belonged to the church right next door. And so usually on Saturday afternoon or evening, I would go to the church, Bible in hand, get behind the pulpit, open my Bible, take out my sermon, and preach and practice to the pews. Carol would ask me sometimes, I'll leave into the house, are you going over to preach to the pews? You know, if I wasn't practicing, it would have been completely foolish, wouldn't it? Preaching to completely inanimate objects that had no ability to hear or to respond to anything I was about to say. The reason I did it then was because I knew on Sunday morning there would be living and animate objects to which I could preach that sermon. But on those Saturday afternoons or Saturday evenings, I was preaching to completely inanimate objects that no possible opportunity to hear or to respond to what I said. That's where Ezekiel was. God told Ezekiel, now you preach, you prophesy to these dry bones, these inanimate objects that have absolutely no Ability whatsoever to hear what you're about to say. And even though it may have seemed foolish, Ezekiel did it. Here's the message, verse 5 and verse 6. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I'll put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. As peculiar and as odd as it may have seemed, Ezekiel did it twice in the text, at least twice in the text. He says, 
I prophesied as he commanded me. And believe it or not, as Ezekiel was preaching, he began to hear a noise. His bones began to rattle. And they began to come together at just the right place where they were supposed to be. The foot bone connected to the ankle bone. The ankle bone connected to the leg bone. The leg bone connected to the knee bone. Those dry, brittle bones form the shape of a human skeleton. And then the ligaments and the tendons begin to form and reattach them to each other. Flesh began to cover those bones. And then skin began to cover the flesh that covered the bones. However, there was still yet one problem. Even though these bones had reattached themselves and covered themselves with sinew and tendons and flesh and skin and were now recognizable human forms, the answer that God asked, or the question God asked Ezekiel, still had not been answered. The question was can these bones live? And to this point, they still were not alive. And so, God told Ezekiel to do something more. He said, prophesy to the wind or to the breath or to the spirit. You see, in the Hebrew, one word is used to translate each of those. Ruach. Breath. Wind. Spirit. And he tells Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind or to the breath or to the spirit so that the, the breath can come blowing over these bones, these bodies, and give them new life. And so Ezekiel did, and the wind or the breath did, and these bodies took on life and they stood up and Ezekiel said it looked like an exceedingly great army what a peculiar vision what a strange experience that must have been for Ezekiel well the answer that we have the question we have today is what does it mean what, what message does God have for his people in this vision he gave to Ezekiel now you have to remember again the dual function of the prophets that I mentioned at the very beginning. They focused on the present and they focused on the future. There was a message in this vision intended specifically for the nation of Israel. God is telling Israel through this vision to Ezekiel that one day they would be restored. Right now the, the nation of Israel is in exile. They're scattered living in different places. They didn't seem to be a nation at all. They seemed to be dead and finished. They were helpless and they were hopeless. The possibility of, of the nation of Israel ever being reassembled and replaced again in Jerusalem with everything restored seemed just as impossible 
as those dry bones in that valley ever coming back to life again. And yet, what did God say to Ezekiel? He said, prophesy, preach to these dry bones. And he did. And the bones came together again. And that was a message of hope for Israel. Through Ezekiel's vision, God was telling him and them that he was not through with them yet. There was still a future and a hope for them. They would be restored. They would be given life again as a nation. God had not completely turned his back on his people. And that's what God said in verses 11 and 12. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is perished. We're completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. Behold, graves my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. These bones, God said, are the whole house of Israel. Again, the symbolism, even though they're scattered about, even though they appear to be dead, As a nation without life, one day they would be given life, brought back together, restored to God's favor once again. It is a wonderful message of restoration and renewal, a wonderful message of hope in the historical context that was directed specifically to the nation of Israel. Through this this vision, God was telling his people that their exile would end, their captivity would cease, they would be restored again as a nation in the land. But there's also a universal application of this vision. Something not directed just at the present, but also at the future. This vision gives us a picture of salvation. The Bible says that we live in a world of dead people. That's why we read from Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. We live in a world full of dead people. Oh, we see them. We hear them. We interact with them. We work with them. We go to soccer games and baseball games and basketball games with them. We deal with them in various situations of life. They check us out at the grocery store. We see them in government, politics, sports, entertainment, the arts. The Bible says anyone apart from Christ is dead. Spiritually dead. And we see the impact, don't we, of living in a world of dead people who have no spiritual life who have no spiritual interest they're strangers to the grace of God and they've lived under the scorching rays of sin so long their hearts are hard and brittle they cannot hear the truth of the gospel or respond to its message of redemption and salvation they are helpless and hopeless Many times we look about us, don't we, and we, we say, is there, is there any hope? Will things ever change? Will there ever be any real revival? 
Will we see a day when there are people who are really changed and brought to faith in Jesus Christ? We ask those questions, don't we? Especially when we look at the culture around us and we see the direction in which it's headed. We say, what is the future for our nation? For our world? Because there seem to be so many people who are dead and unconcerned, uninterested, unresponsive to the gospel. And we say, oh God, can these bones live? Will anything ever happen? We ask that question to God. The answer is the same answer Ezekiel gave to God. Oh God, you know. God is the one who knows if the bones can come back to life again because God is the the sovereign one over salvation. He's the one who breathes His Spirit over the dead who are spiritually dead and brings them back to life again. Nicodemus came to Jesus asking about salvation and he said to Nicodemus you must be what? Born again? You've got to have new life. And God is the one who gives that new life. The wind blows where God sends it. We, we don't know where it's coming from or where it goes. God's in control of that. What do we see? We see the effects of it. Yesterday was a windy day. Spent some time outside yesterday and the trees were swaying in the breeze. And Who knows where that wind came from or where that wind was going. We had nothing to do with that wind coming or that wind going. All we could see was the effect, what that wind did. And that's where we are in the sovereign working of God's Holy Spirit. God sends it. God moves it. And we see the impact and the effect of what God does. But just like Ezekiel, God gives us something to do. And God tells us the same thing. He says, preach to dry bones. Because it is the message of salvation found in the gospel. That's the only hope for people to find life. You know, Jesus said, just before his ascension, you shall be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, the uttermost parts of the world. Then he said also, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What What is Jesus telling his disciples there? What is he telling us there? He said, preach the dry bones. Preach to people who have no spiritual life. I've given you the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Use it. Prophesy. Proclaim. Preach. Share the good news of the gospel. They give us one other thing to do. It's also what he gave Ezekiel to do. And that's pray. Pray to the wind, to the breath. Oh, you know, pray to the Spirit. Because it is the Spirit of God that brings new life. That's why Ephesians 2 is so wonderful, isn't it? You were dead in your trespasses and sins 
apart from Christ, without hope. And one of the greatest two words in the Bible is found in verse 4, where it says, But God. But God took His Word, implanted in our hearts, and by His Spirit breathed new life into us. And, you know, we're just as amazed as Ezekiel was. He began to hear the bones rattle and move. And, and they began to come together again. And life came into them. He stood up as a, as a mighty army. And that's what we as a church should look for and pray for and anticipate and expect is that God would take His Word by His Spirit, bring it, apply it to the hearts of those who are dead and lost in sin, give them new life, and that we would see them raised and become a mighty army to serve the living Christ. Two primary functions of the church are to preach and to pray. Preach the gospel, not just in a formal sense like I'm doing it here this morning. But when you sit down with your children and talk to them about their need for, for the Savior, when you share your faith with a co-worker, when you're having coffee with your neighbor, and you know they're lost, and you begin to talk about spiritual things. You're preaching. You're preaching to dry bones. And you pray that God would take His Word, would use it by His Spirit to breathe new life into those who are dead. That's why you live today. And God has given you and me the message of hope. The message of restoration, renewal, and redemption. A world is lost and dead in sin. Be encouraged that we have in our hands this morning the power of the gospel, which is unto salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this vision given long ago to a strange man who did great things. And we thank you, Father, for him, for his obedience, his willingness to preach in that valley to those, dread, to those dead bones. Father, may we do the same, have the same courage and confidence and obedience to preach and to pray and to see you by your Spirit do marvelous things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.